Who are you? How did you get aboard? There's been an attack in the past. You have to stop it. Coming up, a mysterious time-traveling intruder alters Laon's timeline. Captain, I need to talk to you. Who are you, and what the hell are you doing on my ship? And he sends her and Captain James T. Kirk to 21st century Earth to prevent an attack that will alter humanity's future. Are you gonna kill me? No, of course not. I'm just a little boy. Lon comes face to face with her infamous ancestor. This won't make any sense that you move right where you need to be. And she's forced to make a choice that could save humanity in the past or in the future. All this and more coming up on the Strange New Worlds edition of Energize. 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 We're boldly going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe before Captain Kirk. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. Your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the new adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. In this week's episode, the future of the Federation is in jeopardy. With La'an, Captain Kirk, the Romulans, and Khan Noonien Singh himself. Here's a Warp Speed recap of Season 2, Episode 3 of Strange New Worlds. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Who are you? How did you get aboard? There's been an attack in the past. You have to stop it. Captain, I need to talk to you. So you're telling me that there's an alternate timeline where... I'm not the captain of this ship. My timeline doesn't exist unless I can stop this attack. Seems to be New York City, mid 21st century. It's Toronto. I have to get back to my ship. There is going to be an attack. It's going to change the timeline. We have to stop it. Look at the sign. Indian Singh, that can't be a coincidence. You wanted to know why you were picked for this mission. What does it mean? Thank you for helping me get into this place. You're a Romulan from the future. You want to shoot us? Go ahead. You're bluffing. Try me. A little impulsive on my part. It may be worth it to be the one to kill James T. Kirk. So before we start, I, I have to give this note. So this is a time episode. And I, my knee-jerk reaction was, here we go again, another time episode. I was, for a minute, checked out. Because the, even though Strange New Worlds in the season finale did a phenomenal job of doing an alt-timeline, you know, it was great. It was really good. I, I'm, I'm just, sometimes I'm like, okay, we've used this vehicle over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I was not invested. I was checked out from the beginning. Okay, I was checked out when I saw the one sheet on it with the picture of Kirk and La'an together because I'll be honest, last season I didn't think Paul Wesley's portrayal of Kirk was good. I thought it was gimmicky that they threw him in there and I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And Anthony, I'm proud to tell all of our listeners, we both were wrong. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I will as we, episode. <laughs> yes. And as we get into it, I'll tell you where I made my turn. So okay. I, yeah, at this too. point, yep. at the yep. beginning, I was still like, oh, God, here we go. Yep. But let, let's let's start off by saying this is a La'an Nunyan Singh focused episode. Yes. And it deals with the, the struggles, her struggles with the fact that she is the descendant of Khan Nunyan Singh, which has been the theme throughout season one. And I'm glad we're finally really peeling back the onion and digging more into it. Why she has this angst, because it's clearly uh, there's a brooding um, insecurity yeah. uh, that's beneath the skin. Well, plus, listen, listen, we all know the history. We know who Khan is, perhaps the greatest villain ever, you know, uh, in Star Trek next to the Borg. But I still think he's the greatest villain. But this, uh, yeah, is, I would agree is, with that just because he's com- uh, incredibly complex. Yeah. And, and he's human and he's got emotions and all that. But this is this really was an opportunity to bring out the acting chops of Christine Chong. She she was, you know, a, a hard bitten security officer last season. But in that wonderful episode where Mbenga goes into that fantasy world, she got to play a very silly character and you got to see, oh, she can act. And so then what we do here in this third episode is to really see her real range. And it is Fantastic. What a wonderful platform for her. May I inquire as to who filed this noise complaint against me? It was anonymous. I shall make every effort to practice less vigorously going forward. So we start with Lon managing ship's complaints. As a security officer, you know, she has to manage <laughs> yeah. things on the ship and, and she's annoyed with it. Well, yeah, of course, because, you know, as security chief, she, you know, she ends up being a uh, a, a kindergarten cop, if you will. She's got to deal with the silliness of what's going on in the ship in a day-to-day uh, environment, which, you know, happens. We're all humans, even in the future. Um, and after a long day, she's on her way back to her quarters, and something weird happens. By suspicious provenance you're implying that I stole these artifacts? Property of the archaeology department. I used to work there, didn't I? So this is all above board. She comes across uh, <laughs> Chief Engineer Lieutenant uh, Pelia. Right. And, and her deal is that she's possessing artwork that... <laughs> Clearly, she stole. We know that she's she has an incredibly long life. We right. know that she had been on Earth. Yes. And clearly, she has a piece of artwork from the Louvre. Yeah. <laughs> and she says it's a fake, right? But I, I'm not sure I yeah. buy that either. I'm not sure I'm buying that. Do we, so, do we like Pelia? Is she warming up to you? Is she warming up to all of us? Do you like her? Uh, not yet. Not yet. I'm still, the jury's still out with me. I I'm still thrown off by the quirkiness mm. and um but the thing is uh this show characters grow on you yeah. I mean um some of the shows have done that where I just didn't like characters and yeah. just like in Picard I didn't I didn't like <laughs> the captain of the Titan yeah <laughs> at first then, yeah but then you then, fall in love with them of course but, yeah and then yeah. three three or four episodes in I was like okay I like this dude yeah, he's pretty he's pretty freaking cool in his assholeness yeah we weren't supposed to like him right and that's what made him so great. Um, exactly, but, but, exactly. But yeah, Lon's frustrated by, you know, Pelia's uh, hoarding, right? Um, so she's got to take out that frustration somehow. Easy. You're going to take my head off. We find her sparring with Mbinga, and so they're going back and forth. 
And so one of the things, you know, I, I, I can see now, because in episode two, I was kind of questioning uh, the, I mean, in episode one, I was questioning the action hero-ness of Dr. Mbenga. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we all are. Yeah, it's yeah. And a strange. lot of people. He's a doctor. Yeah, a lot of people have been questioning that. And, yeah. you know, was it out of place for them to be fighting and they got this supercharged? Well, you know, all that. That's been a big debate mm. um, since uh, episode one. Uh, yeah. But, you know, one point that was brought up because I went back and watched it again. They, they're products of the Klingon War. Right. So we don't know exactly what they've, what what they've been was, through. Yeah. And, it, and, yeah, and he does know you know, martial arts. Right, and we see that, we saw that in previous episodes, and we also know his future is not on the Enterprise because McCoy eventually takes over. So perhaps sometime in the future, maybe in final, you know, episodes of the series, we see him possibly becoming a casualty uh, due to violence. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it, it's interesting. So the two of them are sparring, so at this point it's not... A question of whether or not he can do that. So maybe, maybe the fact that he is not a two-dimensional character, he's not just a doctor. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is a good thing. So the two of them are sparring, and um, you know, it, it just shows this aggressiveness that always lies beneath with Lon. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, it brought up one question: if you know, if genetics were the reason why, or um, if genetic modifications were the reason why that number one had been mm-hmm. kicked out of Starfleet. How was La'an in? She is a descendant of uh, Starfleet's or Earth's most infamous genetically altered person. Well, it, it makes sense from a uh, prime directive standpoint where you don't interfere with the natural order of things. So she's a descendant, but she's certainly not bioengineered intentionally where uh, um, number one was. And so there is a fine line, but I think a disparity. And plus, we need to have her story on the ship anyway. So we all accept it. There's yeah. a few little, there's a few holes that we all accept to get through these wonderful episodes. Yeah, you know? and I'm and I'm wondering in the future uh, whether or not we're going to find out that maybe she does have some capabilities we don't know about. So maybe that will be explored. But uh, we find yeah. out that she didn't go to the acquittal party for Una. And I'm wondering yeah. if there's any le- lingering resentment or shame that she had because of her feelings towards Una. I think there is. Sure. I mean, even in in the previews of the episode, when they say previously on, they show La'an being very frustrated and showing that moment with Una where she's like, you lied to me and you never told me. It's still there. Yeah. But, uh, and Binga tells her, you know, you don't have to carry the weight. The weight of what? Yeah. (laughs) What is he referring to? Khan. Yeah. Khan. (laughs) I mean, dude, dude, her last name is Noonien Singh. It's like being your last name is Hitler. Seriously. Yeah, that would be ju- that would be terrible. It's just a lot to carry around. Me, I'd change my name, but again, there's no drama in that. So it, she's so complex. And, you know, you mentioned in the beginning of this, it's another time episode. This matters, this time jump in this case, and we'll see why. Yeah. So she's, um, after sparring with Mbinga, she's going down the corridor, and yeah. guess what happens? This random guy who's wearing a suit and a tie just, well, first what happens is the ship kind of goes through this weird energy wave or you see this flux or some kind of something field happens. 
and something's changed. She can feel it. And this guy just shows up out of nowhere, bleeding on his left side. And he's wearing a 20th, 21st century suit. And he collapses on the floor. And he's right in front of La'an. Yeah, he's been shot with a bullet. A bullet, right? So you know, okay, that's weird. So the man pulls out this device, and uh, clearly some kind of time device, and tells La'an that she needs to get to the bridge. Right, and then hands it to her, or kind of tosses it to her, and then another energy wave, and he disappears. And she's like, okay, what? So, of course, what does she do? She goes to the bridge, like all good officers would, and the doors open, and what do we see? Captain, I need to talk to you. Ma'am, not to be impolite, but who are you, and what the hell are you doing on my ship? It's, it's Captain Kirk on the bridge, and so yeah. clearly... Time has been altered, but I want to take a step back. So this yeah. guy reminds me of Gary Seven, the Gary Seven situation in uh, the original series, season two, Assignment Earth. Mm. So I'm like, okay, wow. clearly he's a part of that club. Dude, okay, Spill, I, I'm not even privy to this. Talk to me about it. Okay, that was that episode where they were on Earth and there was um, a guy in a suit. It was supposed to be a spinoff. Uh, of Star Trek and it didn't become a spinoff but um, mm-hmm. uh, the Enterprise ends, ends up in the atmosphere and uh, oh, I remember doing that. a space you launch you know NASA space well, launch yeah, d- Go ahead. didn't a um, I remember that yeah didn't, and a dude had a cat the, yeah, yeah 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 and didn't a pilot see it in a in a F-14 or something yeah like? yeah he saw the Enterprise yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah okay sure yeah so there's clearly yeah, a group a Saturn we know rocket. that they're about to launch a Saturn rocket and it's going to be sabotaged Exactly, exactly. So I'm okay. I'm assuming at this point that he's part of that group. But like you said, Lon goes to the bridge and Captain Kirk's there and he's like, uh, who are you? <laughs> but, you know, Uhura's there. Yes. And uh, uh, Ortegas is there. So everybody else is there. And she's just like, uh, who am I? Who are you? And then a signal comes in from somewhere. Yep. And uh, Enterprise is being held by a Vulcan ship, and yep. the captain is Spock. I'm Captain James Kirk of the United Earth Fleet ship Enterprise. State your intentions. I am Spock, captain of the Jarrell. I am here to formally request your assistance. <laughs> <laughs> and Kirk stands up and he goes, I'm James T. Kirk of the United Earth Fleet Enterprise. And you're like, wait, what? What? Yep. Hey, apparently, there's no Federation. No. <laughs> There's no Federation, and and Spock's there, and he's like, listen, um, we got the Romulans all over us. We're about to get killed by them. Uh, would you help us out? And in a very strange and unusual way, Kirk just goes, I'm sorry, we can't. We, you know, we apologize, and Spock just kind of hangs up or ends transmission, really dejected, and it's a very unusual Star Trek kind of thing to do. It's There's something going on here, obviously. At this point, my interest is peaked because now I love playing what ifs. You know, what would happen if we went down this path versus that path? If this thing happened or this thing didn't happen, how would that impact the subsequent things that come after that? So clearly something, first contact never happened. 
with uh, right. the, the humans with the Vulcans. the Vulcans. Yep. Right. And 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 this is very yesterday's Enterprise from TNG. You know, uh, they go through some weird thing and suddenly it's a different history. Somebody else's captain or another ship shows up and things are different. And it's very real to them and they've got that history. Yep. And that's why La'an's like, what is happening? This is not my timeline. Yep. So I'm I'm in at this point. I'm invested. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. So So uh, th- wait, this is your this is your moment where you're invested? Yeah, this yeah, because now I'm peaked because I'm I'm always interested in alt timelines. Um yeah. I'm a well, sucker yeah, for those. And so with yeah. first contact not happening, considering the fact that I've seen first contact, we all know the story of how the Vulcans yeah. You know, pulled us out of our despair sure. and after yeah. the, you know, <laughs> World War Three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I Well, let I'm me ne- just speak to that for a second. Let me just speak yeah. to that for a second. So however, it was the Vulcans that helped humanity enter in uh the star traveling warp uh, era and you know guided them. So why is there still an enterprise if the Vulcans weren't there to help us? Right, so those kind of loopholes worry me sometimes, and this is why at this point I'm not bought in. I, I'm still not sold on Wesley, Paul Wesley as Kirk, and I'm still not bought into this yet. I'm st- I've got a longer fuse here, right? So I, I still need more. Yeah, but I'm I'm in because we Zephyr and Cochran still created the first warp ship. It still had the design of you know the two nacelles and. Yeah. You know, who knows? Who knows what could have happened? Now, granted, you know, the Vulcans were instrumental in in making peace or watching yeah. us to make sure we didn't go wreck the rest of the universe. There's always that <laughs> that that yeah. interpretation of what the, uh, the why the Vulcans helped us in the first place. So, uh, mm. which was explored in Enterprise, by the way. Okay, I'll buy that. So you're telling me that there's an alternate timeline where I'm not the captain of this ship. All I know is that ten minutes ago I was on my ship with my captain, and now I'm here. And everything's changed. Yes. Laon, you know, asks to speak with Kirk privately, revealing who she is and why she's there, and that this timeline is wrong. And if you're Kirk, what do you do? Well, what he says first is, are you sure? Because it's pretty normal to me. Are you sure your timeline is not wrong? Right? He, he kind of throws it back at her. But she finally has to. And she kind of buries the lead here. She doesn't show the device until maybe she feels she can trust him. But she finally shows him the device. And he's like, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. Someone just gave it to me. And I think it's a key to what's going on here. And Kirk wants it. He's like, just give it to me. I'll give it to our scientists. We'll let you know what's up. Yeah, and she's not going to give that device up. <laughs> she's a strong-willed <laughs> no, person. So there you go. Tug of war. Also, yeah. And there then boom. Go. Well, they, they, she, he doesn't win. He just accidentally presses the button and it sends them to, well, of course, naturally, to Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know it's Toronto yet. We just know that clearly we're in well, some alley. It could have been New York, uh, yeah, any, but, any major well, city. But that's but that's the thing. Kirk is there and he's like, hmm, this looks like mid-century New York. Seems to be New York City, mid-21st century. What? What? It's Toronto. And this is where I'm starting to buy in, starting to, because I'm thinking, okay, now there's a Kirk that I like. He's kind of, 
he's he thinks he's cool or smart and sometimes he needs to be corrected and and now i'm starting to warm up to him yeah so the the device won't let them return and now we you know they realize they're both forced to work together and they're going to have to invest uh, investigate this this whole situation the old-fashioned way detective style yeah they don't have any tools no tricorders no communicators no phasers nothing so they're just going to have to cover the place on foot and they know it's cold in Toronto and it's going to get colder so they got to go get some clothes so yeah. they just you know they walk into a clothing store and now we see another fantastic moment between the two of them where they walk out wearing the same thing and on her you know disapproval he goes back in and changes and we're starting to see some chemistry here which I'm really liking yeah and we're seeing the craftiness of Kirk I think in any timeline Kirk seems to be crafty always Always. And this is what I was waiting for from Paul Wesley's performance last season. And in this, it's like, where? I, look, it doesn't matter who plays him. Kirk is a wise ass and a smart ass and crafty, as you said. And he's all of these things. The way Wesley played it last year um, bothered me because he seemed too perfect and confident and seasoned. And I'm not ready for that with my Kirk. And so we're starting to see a different side, and I'm digging it. Yes, but that was that timeline. So here, we're, yeah, we're open, no, to, we're open to a new one. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I just want to see, I want to see elements. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I just want to see something. Yeah. And so the two get clothes, and they get money, and, you know, Kirk hustles chess games, and they get cash. And I thought that was pretty fun. Well, here's the beauty of that is... He gets money by playing chess, and it's two-dimensional chess where, I mean, this is what I, I just love about the showrunner here and the writers. This writer's room must be so fun because every single episode gives us a little red meat uh, of, of the old days. You know, we, we saw Spock playing his lyre or that guitar thing, whatever it was, and now it's the chess, and he beats everybody because he's used to playing 3D chess, and that's just... Just an outstanding way to make the money that they need. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, there are little nuggets that are, are given throughout this episode that establish the divergence of story. So, yeah. uh, you know, Kirk looks at the sky and marvels at the sun and the earth. Yeah, he knows, yeah. you know, people aren't even, or even, aren't even living on the surface of the earth. They're underground or on the moon. So yeah, apparently the moon, earth has been savaged. I think he said they're on Europa, they're on Venus, but they're not, you know, yeah, Earth is constantly cloudy, shades of the Matrix in a way, you know, like that's what happened. Yep. And we, we blotted out the sun. Um, but but it's, it's, it's great that they're walking around um, because it also gives them a chance for her to see him discovering things that he may have never seen before. And what that does to me, I, I, it may have been more subtle than, than than I realized before, is that she's in a maternal way watching him evolve right in front of her eyes, going from this space born. He even said he was born on the Iowa instead of born in Iowa, you know, the USS Iowa, this space born space guy to see the earth for the first time. And she's loving watching it. She even eats a hot dog to appease him. And I, I, I find that. Great. Again, it's another great opportunity to see her character expand even more. I loved it, dude. Yep, yep. And, and then there's, a, you know, an attraction starting to build there. I mean, there's a, 
you, you can see it. So she uh, there at the hotel. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she kind of goes, you know, into the the living room area of the hotel and kind of looks at him as if she's going to ask him to, hey, you want to come into the bed? And I was like, which mm-hmm. she, OK, which she would never do. And the way they opened that shot was there was a lot of room on the left side of the camera for him to have just simply been there. And, and that, to me, that was a, a, an intentional direction to show the emptiness in her life, what's missing, right? Yeah. Um, and that he, that he could fill that, but he didn't. And you know, she walks away, and then he looks up. So they're both lonely. This yeah. is where I started to turn. This is where I started to get it. Because they didn't just, you know, it wasn't just a typical Kirk jump into bed and let's do it. It, it was the angst and the loneliness that... This is now I'm like, okay, I love this episode. Yeah. Very I don't well, know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Very, very well played. Very well played. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this. This was, uh, I like an episode that isn't always on the ship. And this one felt, you know, just very tactile and familiar because it's all on earth. And so the next morning, uh, the two are debating whose timeline is correct. And, and this is an inevitable <laughs> debate. I've seen your timeline. You're at war. Your Earth is a ruin. We've made the stars our home. The moon, Mars, Venus, Europa. In my timeline, humanity has spread across dozens of worlds. If we fix your timeline, we destroy mine. I'm sorry, but your timeline isn't supposed to exist. According to who? Just like any time we see altered timelines in any of these shows, the person that we know is in the wrong timeline still will fight vociferously and say, no, this is my timeline. How do you know yours is wrong? And it's a great argument because how do we know? Time is so weird and fluid and all these other things. Um, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's hard to argue that point, you know, but the Lon makes that appeal to Kirk about the bright future. And, you know, his biggest yeah. concern is if, as anyone would, is... Any logical thinking person would be like, wait a minute, if you go this way, maybe I don't exist in that future. And she said, no, you do. And yeah. and then she mentioned that Sam and, Kirk is there too. And so does your brother. And that's where he changes. Because it's suddenly he says, okay, maybe I've been thinking that this is the right timeline, but my God, my brother's still alive and yours? That sounds pretty appealing to me. Yeah. And this is where I started to appreciate Paul Wesley as an actor um, because I see suddenly dimension within him. I see a shift subtly in his feelings. I bought it right there. Like, oh my God, I can see him thinking about his brother. I, I just thought it was great. I, I just, I, I'm almost ashamed of not trusting Paul Wesley as Kirk. And now I'm starting to regret that. Hey, well, I mean, that's the whole thing about acting and, and letting things play out. Everybody's not supposed to jump on board right, at, you know, right from the beginning. That'd be perfect. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, they, they, you know, they're doing a good job of uh, building out their characters. So, they, I think so. Yeah, so they're walking around uh, Toronto trying to figure out what they're supposed to be looking for. And then <laughs> right. this bridge explodes, which now clarifies the words, get to the bridge by the time agent Get to guy. the bridge. <laughs> bridge well that's and that's what laan said she's like get to the bridge and i'm like oh yes of course that's exactly what it is so they run of course toward the danger um and it's just pure chaos around the bridge there's a lot of debris everywhere and people are there taking pictures and they just want to get in there and see what is going on and they 
they run into this. Well, they don't run into. They they seek the aid of a photographer who's using a you know XLR camera and shooting some pictures of all the debris and the collection of the debris. And Laan wants to see the pictures. Yep, and it looks like it was a, a plutonic bomb, which isn't supposed to be developed for a hundred years. Also, we know uh, we're, it's revealed that uh, that bridge did explode in two timelines, in both timelines. They're removing the evidence. Come on, we need to follow them. We'll never keep up on foot. Come on. Hey, most vehicles have private ownership in this time. Oh, I know. In both timelines. Right, so they determine, okay, this is not the quote-unquote flashpoint that we were both directed to. Um, how interesting that is. Yep, yep. And so the, the, the wreckage, they want to you know, track the wreckage, and so it's being put yeah. into a van, so they got to go after it. And Kirk and Lon, you know, commandeer a, uh, <laughs> what was that, a Challenger a or something? Charger. A Dodge yeah. Challenger, yeah, probably. Yeah, so I, I thought that part the, was a stretch. Well, because he doesn't know how to drive and suddenly he knows how to drive perfectly. Here's yeah. what they should have done, and this is the only place where I think they dropped the ball, is in Star Trek Beyond, Kirk drove a motorcycle, if you remember. Um, if they had commandeered a motorcycle, I think it would have been cooler, sexier, and more realistic, I think. Yeah, yeah. Car's a complicated thing. No one can jump in a car and just automatically be able to drive like yeah. that. A pursuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was the only thing that I was just kind of like, okay, I'll, mm, yep. okay. All right. They, they get a pass on that, though. Yeah, they the get a pass. Flaw. They get a pass. I'll let it go. <laughs> yep. But they really should talk to us before they finish yeah, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So while they're in a the car, they're having this conversation and and um, they, they want you know, to talk about their names. And there's no name recognition when um, Lon says yeah. that she's you know, Lon Noonien Singh. So right. now we know that there's no eugenics wars at this point. No eugenics wars, yeah. No con. No con. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. But but they finally are able to get near that van that's on the run until these Toronto cops uh, surround the, the Dodge Challenger and Kirk and Lon are done. They're, they can't go anywhere. Where are you taking him? What are you charging him with? Driving without a license, failure to follow traffic law. Let me guess. You haven't made your quota for the week yet? Now move along, ma'am. You just randomly pulled over a famous civil rights attorney. So Kirk is the driver is now being arrested, but then out comes this woman, um, the, photographer <laughs> the photographer who was at the crime yeah. scene, and she starts yelling at the cops saying he's a civil rights attorney and the importance, you know, you know, he's an important yeah. person. And then the cops kind of right. get a call and then they let him go. And I'm like, OK, yeah. now, who is this woman? Her name is Sarah. And I'm like, is she an agent? Right. right. I, I didn't think that because I was thinking of in Voyager when they went back to 1996. They always seem to go back to our time, <laughs> which is, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh but Sarah Silverman was the, you know, cute girl that they ran into, and she was a good guy. So I'm thinking, oh, this is just another Sarah Silverman character. She's going to help them and maybe get a, a look into the future somehow. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and then they, they kind of throw, uh, I guess, they try to throw us off that maybe she's a conspiracy theorist, you know, because she starts talking about aliens and she starts showing all these yeah. other pictures and, you know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe she's not an agent. Maybe she's uh, you're just a wackadoo. <laughs> you know? Well, she, here's the thing. She, they look at the picture. She goes, look at this and look at this. And suddenly yep. they show a picture of a Romulan Warbird from the 
TOS series. Yeah. Yep. And that's true. And 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 uh, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, how did they get that? And he's like, some some person. Oh, someone looking at the International Space Station captured it. But the point is, they're like, oh, we know that ship. You know, Kirk's like, oh shit, I know that. Yep, yep. And so, you know, and one of the things as they were talking was that, you know, she's rambling about this cabal of world governments or, you know, been keeping Mm -hmm. alien attacks secret and that, you know, there's some secret facility where they're working on advanced tech where they're, you know, where they're working on cold fusion and and that she believes that these attacks are meant to keep uh, humans from advancing to space exploration. So, you know, I, you know, do we question her mental stability or what? The bridge was about sowing division. What about the other attacks? What's the connection? Okay, so Chernobyl, Tunguska, JFK, random gas leak explosions, all of it is about slowing down human progress. I still believe her because even when she was talking about the conspiracy theories, she seemed so put together, cogent. She had a decent camera. Uh, she was taking specific photographs. She seemed more like an investigative reporter to me, which is, you know, what I think that she is. She's she's this person who's curious and she knows more than others, but she also listens to the conspiracy theories because, hey, maybe they are right. All right. So she also produces, um, you know, video of the guy, the, the time agent that spoke to Lon uh, at the scene. So, you know, I'm like, OK, so all this is kind of starting to come together so now it makes me question, is a time agent a good guy? Well, he has to be. I don't know. Well, is it Section 31? What is it, right? Because isn't Section 31 all about jumping around time, trying to keep things? Well, I thought the time, Section 31 and the time people were two different groups. Well, I, I did too, but I do know that Section 31 has jumped in time. They did it in Enterprise hmm. when they showed the Enterprise, I guess, J or something, that gigantic ship. Um, at least I thought that's what that was. Maybe I'm confusing it. Um, someone write us and let us know what the hell's going on. Um, so uh, La'an and Kirk hear about this reactor, and they want to go and find it. Um, and they need to um, they need to have a way to deal with the tech that it's going to take to build this cold fusion reactor, or at least find it. And they just have no way to find out. Yep. And and Kirk also makes a point that the in his timeline, the Romulans destroyed the cold fusion reactor, which wiped out Toronto. Look, she said that there's an experimental cold fusion reactor somewhere in the city. In a few days, it's going to be destroyed and wipe out Toronto, a Romulan first strike. None of that happens in my timeline. And it didn't happen in didn't happen in Lon's time. So they know that there's your inflection point, right? So, you know, there's a weather report on TV and they're talking about snow affecting Vermont. And she's like, wait a second. And this is the wonderful little uh, uh, clue that they place uh, in the beginning with the engineer when she goes, I was in Vermont, you know, and she's like, wait a second. I know someone who's probably in Vermont who can help us, which I thought was a really nice, you know, mem- uh, uh, we call it an echo. I guess they set it up in the beginning and now they're they're shutting it. Uh, shutting it out, and I, so off they go to Vermont. By the way, on their chess winnings. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> can chess winnings pay for an Uber all the way to Vermont? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wonder about that. This is going to sound crazy, Pelia. How do you know my name? I know you, and I know your secret. 
<laughs> so the two go to Vermont and they go to Lieutenant Apelius Place and we find out that she's not an engineer but an art collector thief. Thief. Right. She's the art aficionado who happens to steal the stuff that she's doing. And they're like, you're not an engineer. And she's like, no. And it becomes clear that that must be something that she takes on 100 years or 200 years later or or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, she's lived long enough. She can learn things as she goes. Right. And, you know, Lon didn't you know get divulge any secrets about the future. She, she cleverly uh, didn't give too divulge too much. No, she just said, I know who you are. I know you've been alive forever. I know you're part of this race, and I know what your name is. So, you know, we're here. She, yeah, she doesn't say we're here from the future. We just say, look, we're trying to find this, and we need uh, to figure out this tritium and and whether it can detect the reactor. And so uh, they realized that that was used in wristwatches, and they find this old wristwatch, and if they expose the, the hands... Uh, then it'll act kind of like a Geiger counter uh, to that radiation. Yep, and so, I mean, I guess this is the way that they're going to do it. So the engineer, non-engineer, <laughs> gives them what they need. So they go back to Toronto because we got to get back on task of finding this cold fusion reactor. And, you know, there this was really cool because there was some time spent between the two of them as they're, you know, walking and seeing if this um, the hands of the watch are going to react to the, you know, detect it. Um, yeah, this was really cool. Uh, truth is, if we can only save one timeline, I'm, I'd rather live in yours. It's a great moment. Um, and it wasn't a wasted moment, and it wasn't a boring moment. In fact, there was no wasted moment in this uh, episode because we get to see Christine Chong playing La'an and we get to see her expand again now as a bit of a romantic lead. She is peeling away her layers in every episode that we have with her featured. Um, and, and, and she does it again right here in this stroll. And you can just see that there's something going on. It was already there anyway. They stop and they just have this wonderful moment where Kirk admits, you know, maybe it would be better. I could see my brother and to be in your timeline. And they have this just absolutely perfect kiss. It's not this sloppy, you know, uh, French kiss thing going on. It's it's just this wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Lon's like, well, maybe, you know, you can come to my timeline. I'm like, okay, hold on now. <laughs> Pump yep. the brakes. Two Kirks. <laughs> I got to work. Two Kirks isn't, isn't going to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they detect the cold fusion reactor. Of course, and, of course, right as they're kissing, they, yeah. they get it, yep. Yep, and they uh, enter this building, and she sees a sign that indicates they're at the Nunyan Singh Institute. Look at the sign. Nunyan Singh, that can't be a coincidence. You wanted to know why you were picked for this mission. What does it mean? What does your family have to do with this? What did they do? Yeah, can you explain that to me? I, I didn't get that. I, I yeah, I have, I have no clue. I, you know, well, is it the is it is it a family that developed their own genetically modified family, and that's what went wrong, or were Noonien Singhs good? And I mean, I kind of want to know a little bit about that. I feel like they threw that away just a bit. Well, I mean, I'm thinking like um, shades of um, Picard season two. Oh, with uh, what's her face, Picard? No, yeah, and Picard. Remember, it ended with uh, him looking at the Khan project, uh, Union Singh. 
Oh, in the I mean, yes, uh, in I, the, mean um, some, uh, I, I get all the Nunians and the. Oh, I know. Because yeah. there's Nunian Sung and Nunian Sing, which yeah. I also. Yeah, but he remember he love. he tried to alter time and and then yeah. you know with with the help of the Borg Queen and then that yeah. didn't work and then he pulls out the files at the end that, that say the yeah, they saw that yeah yep. that project and so maybe this is yeah. offshoot of that. That's what I thought. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. it's not a maybe it's not their name. It's the they're named after the project. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the whole thing. And so um yeah. so um you know, Lon opens the door using her hand. I guess it's a DNA thing yeah. and then the, the, lo and behold, Sarah shows up and now I'm like, yeah, okay. the photographer. Yeah. She she trades in her camera for a gun. Yep. Yep. And I'll be honest, I kind of forgot about her, and I did not see that coming. And shame on me because I should have known that. Uh, yeah, I was I sus- I was suspicious of her uh, once she showed up uh, with the cop when uh, Kirk was being arrested. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, once you pop up, okay, oh my god. Right. Yeah, little little Deus Ex Machina there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, all yeah. right, all right, here we go. Um, and right. so, you know, you know, we, it's clear that uh, Sarah is, is from the future and is a Romulan mm-hmm. agent hell bent on stopping humanity's exploration. You want to shoot us? Go ahead. You have to know that if you do, the building's alarms will go off. You're bluffing. Try me. But, you know, she's got this gun and, and Kirk's like, listen, we're not going to let you in. You're going to have to shoot us. But if you do, the alarms will go off and you'll be stopped. And she shoots him. Yeah. But I was like, OK. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I was just like, you know, did Kirk sacrifice himself? You know, because he already stated earlier that he would prefer the other timeline. So maybe he just sure. went ahead and said, hey, I'll throw caution to the wind and hope for the best. Well, I, you know, maybe. But here's where I'm starting to think this is vintage Kirk. Like, I'm going to bluff my way out of this. He he thinks she's bluffing, right? So he's playing poker. Or he's playing chess, really. And she just pulls out the queen and goes right for the king. And she pulls the trigger. And I honestly don't think he saw that coming. But when he's laying there, clearly dying, and this is the second time in history we've seen James T. Kirk die, or maybe the third time. Third time. Third time, yeah. Um, He just says, say hi to Sam for me, which means he believes that La'an is going to be successful. And to me, uh, that's that's love. Like, I sacrificed my life for you to go get this. And, man... I got a little weepy. I got a little misty. <laughs> you softy. <laughs> I am. I am a yeah. softy. Use your handprint to open the door. No. You know who's in there, right? You're here to kill Khan Union Singh. Why? So it, it's, you know, so uh, Lon tries to overcome her, uh, Sarah, and then, um, you know, it doesn't yeah. work. And Sarah leads her, you know, down some corridors to this yeah. uh, room where it says Khan Noonien Singh. So it's clear that Sarah wants to kill Khan. So now I'm putting it together. I, I, I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Killing Khan means yeah. the wars didn't happen. The eugenics There's no wars. genocide. There's no, no genocide. eugenics wars. Right. And no first contact with Cochrane. Right, exactly. And sometimes, I mean, it, I think it really, 
uh, goes to the point that sometimes bad things have to happen for good things to happen. Khan becomes a brutal tyrant. I mean, maybe. Humanity needs the dark age that he brings in to usher in their age of enlightenment. Right. But what if we step back one step further and said there is no good and bad? There's just what we know. And so for La'an, the good was, this is my timeline, it's what I know, and if you change it, it's bad for me, right? Because I don't, because as humans, change is difficult. This is why Kirk didn't want to change his timeline, even though his brother dies. He had to, he had to warm up to it. She realizes good or bad is not the point. It's what, it's what humanity becomes that matters, and this is the timeline that makes sense for humanity, and that's why she fights for it. It's a tough decision for her to make. Yep, yep, that, yeah. yeah but in I it felt in that moment she accept it, accepts her legacy. Yeah. Yep. And um, so <laughs> the two fight and, you know, Lon kills Sarah. And she meets a t- Well, dude, it was a badass killing. I mean, it, it reminded me of like CSI or something where they're fighting and then she just, she's on the ground. It's two pumps right in her heart. Doom, doom. I mean, <laughs> you know... Suddenly it's, you know, we're watching something else here, but it was great. It was, she, she's a tough girl. Are you going to kill me? No, of, of course not. I, I'm just a little boy. And then, um, you know, she ends up meeting, you know, I guess a tennis-year-old con who asks, you yeah. know, it's just long going to kill her, kill him. Are you here to kill me? Yeah. Right. And he's, here's the beauty of this moment, too, is that, now we're seeing her maternal instincts, whereas before, I think with Kirk, we saw her uh, romantic instincts and her romantic side. Now she's uh, she's she sits down with this scared little boy who's got tears in his eyes, and she's like, "You're just a little boy, right?" And she can't kill him. She can't because now, like you said, she realizes her legacy, what it means to history to the Federation, exploration of space, because they are explorers. After all, Kirk's timeline, they barely leave the uh, solar system, right? Um, and she says, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to leave you here. Yeah, but I was just like, please don't screw this up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. <laughs> this won't make any sense right now. Maybe it won't ever. But you are right where you need to be. Yep, and she tells him he's uh, comes right where he needs to be, and then the device goes yep. green, and she's transported yep. back to the correct timeline. Right. She goes back to the bridge. Pike is there, thank goodness. And by the way, I just want to point out, this is the second episode of three where Pike isn't in it. And I'm like, wait, that's two out of three episodes. Pike isn't even in it. And then I remember, oh, this is called Strange New Worlds, not Captain Pike. But I missed him a little bit. The statute of limitations passed decades ago. I checked. Is there a statute of limitations on plundering antiquities? Oh, on. Maybe Starfleet Security wants to weigh in on this. I say we should let this one slide, Captain. And so they're, they're on the bridge and uh, Lieutenant Pelly is there and they trade looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, this is where I thought Pelly was going to look at her and be like, welcome back or something like that. Like she would have remembered, kind of like a Guinan thing yeah. with the Borg. Um, uh, that didn't happen. I was a little bummed about that, but that's neither here nor there. But she's getting reprimanded for, uh, you know, stealing artifacts. Yeah. And, and Lon lets her off the hook. Nah, we'll let it go this time. Yeah. 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 That was the trip. So she that goes, was the trip. 
Yeah, that was crazy. So she goes back, you know, somewhat satisfied, I suppose, to her uh, quarters, and someone's waiting for her there. I'm An Nguyen Singh. I'm Agent MLA from the Department of Temporal Investigations. Am I meant to know what that is? A division of the Federation that investigates and repairs damage to the timeline. You haven't heard of us because we don't exist yet. In obviously, this is uh, an agent of Starfleet's Temporal Investigations Unit. <laughs> yeah, um, and she's cool. I like her. She's just like really chill. And she's like, listen, you did a good thing. Um, we'd like our equipment back, please, if you don't mind. Uh, but But thank you. Uh, for doing that, you were the perfect person to do it. Yeah, yeah. And and so she told her that they don't exist yet. You know, so clearly she came from the yeah. future. Right. And uh, what do you think about this sure. notion of the temporal police? It works in Star Trek because they always uh, manage to keep it contained. Um, I think if this were to happen in reality, that would be the end of everything. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't trust anybody for... to do anything. and <laughs> No one. No, but somehow these futuristic people have found a way to contain it and use it for good only, and I like it. Uh, but but again, think about this. They're preserving one timeline. Why is that the timeline? Is it because it's the one we're all watching? Why couldn't yesterday's Enterprise be the one where, you know, uh, the Klingons weren't rescued uh, and, you know, they they dealt they plunged into war. Why couldn't a timeline be where Kirk was part of the Earth Federation, Earth something plan? Or I don't know, non Federation thing, right? Yeah. I will. Why is our timeline have to be preserved? Well, I think it has something to do with they roll with the the first timeline. Whatever the, the first timeline is, the prime timeline. Okay, right, and and also there's always this other um, notion, and we've seen this in a few things where. Even if you alter the timeline, it tends to stitch itself back together and correct itself. Right, and that's something that uh, Sarah, the photographer, did say. They've been trying to screw with this several times, and it always yeah. seems to bend itself um, to uh, the the correct, you know, time timeline, the right path, and they keep losing. That's why they keep having to come back and try this thing over and over again. Try it again, yeah. And I think we saw that too, or we were going to see that. I think in the if they ever made a Star Trek four with the J.J. Uh, Abrams universe, yes, the Kelvin timeline, yep. they, that was going to be the story of that fourth movie of how time had to stitch itself back to the correct timeline because the Kelvin timeline was wrong. Yep, yeah. So that 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 would have been interesting. So we never got a chance to see yeah. it. But uh, one more yeah, little quick bad. side note: I've been watching the show called oh. The Lazarus Project on TNT, and they're uh -huh. a group of people who can once a year. Uh, through some anomaly in space, uh, take everything back to uh, oh, one year. God. And their sole job is this. to pr uh, prevent cataclysmic events. <laughs> Boy, but I like that. Yeah, there, only cataclysmic there events that, you know, of the highest, yeah. you know, uh, devastation. Yeah, there was a show probably 20 years ago called Seven Days. Yeah, I remember where you that. you could go back I used to seven, watch it. It was a yeah, yeah, yeah. show. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that's when UPN was launching and they had Voyager on then. Um, all of those ideas, and there was also one, I can't remember what it was called, a couple of years ago that failed, uh, Time Cop or something like that, um, where they were able to jump around and change history and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there's always some bad guy jumping into the past to do it. It's a little overdone, and that's why I think in, in the Star Trek universe, where I think time jumps and changes 
was started, with the exception of H.G. Wells and the Time Machine, um, it works because it's part of canon, it's part of the history, it's woven into the thread of the narratives that we've had for 50-some years. And so it works. Yeah. So the show ends with Lon calling Lieutenant Kirk. So Lieutenant Kirk. Uh, hi. Do I know you? No, we've, we've never met. I, um, I'm Lan Union Singh, Chief of Security on the Enterprise. Who immediately asked, you know, you know, what's up? You know, is Sam okay? Do and, I know you? Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> what does Sam do? Yeah, what does Sam do? You know, and, um, yeah. you know, she kind of plays it off and then, you know, it, it kind of evolves into, well, you know, you know, can you tell me more about Sam? And he's like, well, the next time we're at Starbase, I'll give, I'll give you the full scoop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Dude, a couple of things about that. One, it sets them up. Two, it cements their chemistry, which they had in the beginning. So there's going to be something going on in the future. This will be revisited. And three, when they hang up and she really starts to cry, again, I'm Christine Chong is a really good actress. I bought every second of it. I bought every tear. She was so, she was so sad for so many reasons. Losing Kirk, the 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 whole you could see the his, the weight of her history all just coming out in that moment. I, I got teary, dude. I did. Yeah, it was really good. I was I, I was uh, moved by it. And um, just like with other shows, and like I said, Lazarus Project is very well executed, by the way, um, th- mm. this weight in one of the, in, like in one of those episodes, these people had to correct something um, 50 times before they could, oh, could, could alter something cataclysmic because there were so many variables right. that contributed to it. Yeah. But every single time, yeah. the weight of that does impact the person because they've lived it so many times and lost people yeah. in different various ways. So I can understand what she's going through because she, she, she went through something. She lost people. She met her ancestor. That's a lot to unpack. It's a big, and, and, and could have killed him and didn't. And, uh, you know, saw him as a child, an innocent child with so much potential and knew what he was going to become. Of course, dude, the whole thing, the universe sp- spinning around her. She's one of the most complex characters on this show. Uh, and I love that they're giving her so much depth. Yep. And so it ends with a shot of her in the distance and a close-up of the watch. You know she's going to give Kirk that watch when she meets him. Yeah, yeah. So. And it it might even it might even spark something in him, right? Like, uh, uh. deja vu. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this week gave us a lot of thought-provoking moments in Strange New Worlds, incredible performances. Uh, I'm going to pick my favorite performance of the week, and of course, Christine Chong's uh, ever-deepening characterization of Lan Nguyen Singh and her multi-dimensions just had me captivated. Every moment she was on screen, I believed every nuance of what she was doing blown away blown away by her performance to your point i think that in the beginning i was always wondering about why do we have nunya singh on the on on, on this show um we yeah. and we were always wondering about the mystery in the first season uh, what are they doing how is this going to play yeah. out is this weird and i think it's added weight to the show 
and she's not a one note, which I was worried about nope. in the beginning. I thought this was just a ploy to hook us in, and now I'm grateful that her character's there. Uh, for me, there's only a second to this, and it deals with Paul Wesley yeah. because of uh, him playing Kirk. And uh, like you, I was concerned um, because I mean, you 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 see the various iterations of Kirk. You you you've seen the the the. You know, Kirk Prime played by, you know, William Shatner. Shatner. And then uh, you you did have a really good, um, you know, reprisal in the Star Trek movies of J.J. Abrams. Um, yeah. Oh, God. What's his name? Chris Pine. Oh, yeah. With Chris Pine. And he did a really good job. He, you know, played the best of William Shatner's version and, and added his little spin to it. So, you know, Paul Wesley, his introduction was a little different and it, it was the most different between of the three and so um this this episode gave us more depth and then i could see that he's bringing some of the best elements of kirk with him being crafty and um i yeah i liked it i liked it and so you know it it opened my mind to it so i i definitely give him a thumbs up in this episode and it uh, opened some doors so I, i looked look forward to seeing where they go with it yeah, I, I'm actually agreeing with you. Uh, I also, you know, Paul was my second choice here uh, because I was so pleasantly surprised with what they gave him. A lot of it was the writing. They got him, they let him be silly, and but he played it so well. And he's not trying to be Shatner, and he's not trying to, he's not intimidated by Chris Pine. He's just like, I'm going to play it my way. And that's what's winning me over is that he's, he's doing it himself, and the writing's helping him become this character that I think we'll see again and again. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I mean, I think this was another great episode. It was really, really good. I think oh, yeah. uh, of the three, this is my favorite yep. so far. Oh, by far. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to see what else uh, Strange New Worlds is going to dish out. Okay. That concludes this episode of the Strange New Worlds edition of Energize. So for more information and just to get to know a little bit about us, go to our website, www.energizepodcasts, with an S, dot com. My book, number one bestseller on Amazon, The Deletion, still there on Amazon, or you can go to stevetruitt.com to order your copy. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony McLemore. I'm Steve Truitt. Live long and prosper.